One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. to the Explaining History podcast, and tonight I'm going to talk uh, about the schisms that emerge in French politics between 1949 and 1954 as a result of the First Indo-Chinese War. This was the war fought by uh, the Viet Minh, um, later manifesting itself as the Democratic Republic of North Vietnam, um, who uh, fought to liberate Vietnam from French colonialism after the Second World War. That conflict um, presented a major dilemma to France in, in several different ways. Firstly, France was at a moment of um, imperial overstretch. It could not find sufficient numbers of troops to actually fight uh, a mass insurrection, a mass anti-colonial insurrection in Vietnam. It had to uh, scour what remained of the French Empire for uh, troops, foreign legionnaires, um, African colonial troops and soldiers um, who were um, who could be sort of uh, taken away from what was seen as the real front line uh, and that was uh, Europe uh, in, at the very beginnings of the, the Cold War. Uh, the French uh, also... Um, were fighting at the same time an anti-colonial uh, war, or a colonial war on, on France's part, and an anti-colonial, uh, a, a counterinsurgency against anti-colonial forces. But at the same time, uh, it merges, it morphs into a Cold War conflict, particularly after 1949, when the Viet Minh gained the backing of um, Communist China under Mao. Uh, France's reliance on American assistance was uh, useful in terms of arms uh, and munitions uh, and equipment, but it actually becomes politically toxic for reasons that we shall explore in French domestic politics. Now, this evening I'm reading from Martin Thomas's brilliant book, uh, Fight or Flight, um, and here we focus uh, on this uh, topic of um, the uh, Indo-Chinese War. Uh, previously, when we had talked about it, the uh, Mouvement République Populaire, the um, uh, French uh, party of state, really, 
during the uh, 1940s and 50s um, of the uh, French Fourth Republic had been uh, finding the, uh, the war increasingly difficult to fight. But the opposition socialist party um, were equally divided as to what to do about this conflict. Uh, Martin Thomas writes, The socialists squirmed on the horns of this particular dilemma. The party had never devised a workable Indochina policy. Its parliamentarians paid lip service to the need for a negotiated solution, but ran scared of its obvious implication, talks with the Democratic Republic of Vietnam. They disliked mounting defence spending, but voted credits for the war uh, uh, even so. Jules Moch, um, a former resistor um, and industrial policy specialist and arch-anti-communist, personified the socialist agony. As Minister of Defence in 1950-51, he knew the war was slipping from France's grasp, not least because of the chronic troop shortages in the expeditionary force. But, at the government, uh, but as the government's leading Cold War strategist, he maintained that the requirements of Europe, European defence had to come first. So here, uh, France is on the, as it says, the, well, the, the Socialist Party, but also um, the uh, French government under the MRP are under the horns of a strategic dilemma. Um, the, uh, does France retain its troops in Europe or defend its uh, colonial empire? Does it fight a, um, a counterinsurgency against an anti-colonial uh, uprising? Or does it uh, engage large troop divisions in occupied Germany uh, as part of um, the defence of Europe against the uh, potential Soviet threat? The MRP uh, was more hardline on this subject. Um, its ministers, Jean Letourneau and Maurice Schumann and Georges Biddle, um, uh, were closest to the day-to-day -day running of the war. The MRP's leadership uh, stuck to a agreed mantra between them of no talks without military victory. So this is one of these uh, classic military dilemmas, and the Americans would face this in Vietnam as well, that to, talk, to, to enter into talks without a decisive military victory would be to uh, enter into talks from a position of weakness. And uh, this, it was judged, was um, a supremely poor idea. And instead, it was believed, with a, no small amount of racial chauvinism, that the Vietnamese would be brought to their knees and brought to the negotiating table. As we'll see, when the Battle of the Bien Phu is fought, uh, the French are astonished about the organisation, the troop numbers, uh, the skills and the equipment of the uh, Viet Minh, and they have no understanding that uh, the Viet Minh have been equipped with um, Chinese artillery and have been trained by uh, Chinese um, artillery experts uh, to uh, fight very effectively indeed. So this idea of no talks before uh, a military victory, it was partly 
a device for kicking the can down the road, as politicians are, are, are beloved of doing. But also it was part of um, a way of packaging a, a kind of shared delusion to the French people that this uh, imagined victory was kind of on the way when all evidence would point in the opposite direction. All ministers uh, in the MRP government, however, beside, behind the scenes were becoming increasingly uh, pessimistic. Uh, Robert Schuman, the foreign minister, um, uh, said that Ho Chi Minh was a creature of the communists. But um, this belief also nourished Schuman's kind of desperation to find a viable Vietnamese uh, negotiator, uh, negotiating partner, um, that they could make a deal with. Uh, they wanted to find somebody uh, within the uh, Vietnamese, uh, the uh, Democratic Republic of Vietnam's um, top echelons, alternate, alternate to, or, um, or as distinct from Ho Chi Minh, who they could view as being reasonable, um, somebody that they could make a deal with. And they wanted to do this fairly quickly because they believed that um, the control of the uh, Republic would fall not to Ho Chi Minh, but to Mao Zedong eventually. Charles de Gaulle and his RPF party um, watched with uh, no small amount of glee at the um, agonies of the government, um, but did precious little really to um, involve itself in creating a solution. Um, and the reason is, is pretty clear in that uh, whatever solution was going to be created would have been a, a, a bad uh, compromised and unsatisfactory one, and de Gaulle did not want to be associated with that. Indeed, um, de Gaulle's brand of uh, kind of Gallic nationalism um, insist, uh, was was based around the upholding of French pride and the upholding of uh, French uh, national uh, self worth in an era where calamity after calamity from the occupation of France uh, onwards had um, seen uh, French national pride uh, dragged backwards through the dirt. So de Gaulle was quite aware that there would be um, a, an embarrassing set of compromises uh, and humiliations for the government no matter what happened and he was quite happy for the government to own that uh, on their own. So Martin Thomas writes... In the picturesque setting of Pau in the Pyrenean, Pyrenean foothills on the 29th of, 19, uh, of November 1950, a French delegation led by Albert Sarrault, uh, a former governor of Indochina, concluded a series of interstate conventions with the governments of Cambodia, Laos and South Vietnam. The Pau agreements were the latest in a sequence of accords with Indochi Indochina's associated states. Uh, these were states that uh, would exist within the French Empire uh, and have uh, associate relationships with France. Intended to place the individual Indo-Chinese territories on independent economic footing, they covered everything from postal services and customs tariffs to the creation of separate national treasuries 
with autonomous budgets. To read them, one could almost imagine that there was no war uh, going on at all, let alone a vicious campaign in northern Vietnam, recently expanded thanks to fresh injections of Chinese advice and support to the DRV army. In fact, the power cords, just like the Along Bay agreements that preceded them, were as much about what they symbolised as what they said. These conventions were integral to the struggle for Indochina's soul, the diplomatic contribution to a propaganda war in which France refuted the accusation of imperialism. So it was about creating a um, the the kind of the, the illusion that imperialism had somehow gone away. It was about saying here is France, uh, Laos, Cambodia, and South Vietnam, this federation of friendly states all together, like brothers arm in arm, um, agreeing on a fairly level playing field to a series of, of economic uh, accords um, surrounding this new pariah state that was um, emerging in North Vietnam that the French are desperately struggling to, uh, to reclaim. It was about isolation um, and about um, trying to remove from an imperial struggle the, the rather uh, unpleasant odour of imperialism. However, the, the small print uh, in the Accords at Pau uh, showed that the French government insisted that its that France's financial and mercantile um, bodies, uh, French capitalism, retain their preferential interests in Laos, Cambodia, and South Vietnam, um, which really was the the kind of the the, the bedrock of French colonialism the ability of French capital to extract wealth from Indochina and repatriate it to France um, was the, the whole point of having an empire there in the first place. Some of the more formalised trappings of colonialism might go, but the, the kind of the uh, below-the-surface, less abundantly observable um, aspects of uh, colonial rule maintain themselves um, continuously. In addition to this... France's colonial bureaucrats, powerful uh, institutional figures themselves, refused to be dislodged and hung on to key roles throughout uh, French Indochina. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You know, um, the, it took till 1952 for the Associated States of Laos, Cambodia and South Vietnam to be able to take control over their nation's finances. Um, and this happened at just the most unfortunate moment. Martin Thomas writes, Rampant inflation threatened to destabilise the Indo-Chinese currencies, sending living standards crashing. The core problem was war costs, to which the Cambodian and Laotian administrations contributed alongside their Saigon counterparts. None had a taxable base large enough to meet their fiscal obligations. Um, so they are having to contribute and spend an awful lot. The French saying essentially, well, you must cough up to defend Indochina from these terrible communists. But none of them actually have um, a sufficiently large and wealthy enough population to uh, tax a sufficient amount in order to pay for those contributions. Uh, each depended upon colonial backers, old and new, uh, on French monetary support for domestic spending, on US financial aid for military spending. This combination of limited autonomy, financial dependence and grinding poverty did not bode well for their long-term, uh, longer-term political future. Indeed, so unpopular were the Saigon government's 1952 budgetary positions that in August, uh, Bao Dai uh, chose to approve them without first consulting the Vietnamese National Assembly. This was the, the Emperor of uh, Vietnam, Emperor Bao Dai. Uh, to complicate matters further, writes Martin Thomas, the Americans insisted on dispersing aid without French interference, eager to see the South Vietnamese push ahead with the Vietnamization of the expeditionary force. So it's worth saying here that the Americans as far back as uh, Roosevelt had had misgivings about France in Indochina. Roosevelt had disliked de Gaulle uh, during the war and believed that he had the potential to become a French dictator. Um, the uh, Americans looked upon Vietnam much in the same way that they looked upon Britain's Asian empire during the war as something that American soldiers basically should not be dying and fighting for in order to return to French colonialists, which is I said, a fairly reasonable position, one, one might humbly submit. Um, the US administration also uh, looked upon the French uh, and their ability to fight communism in the late 1940s with a sense of despair. The use the, the, the only use as far as the French the Americans were concerned for the French was that they were essentially on the same side that they were a um, proxy fighting force in Asia 
drawing the line against communism. And they were only of interest to the United States insofar as they were able to win that war. And so by um, the uh, early 1950s, um, the, uh, the Americans are distributing aid and going over the heads of the French and trying to distribute it directly to the Vietnamese uh, on the assumption that at a certain point, if France was forced to withdraw from Vietnam, that America would have to have a direct relationship with Vietnamese generals, Vietnamese officers and Vietnamese politicians. So, with that in mind, when I mentioned earlier that um, the, the American aid uh, presented uh, acute difficulties for um, domestic French politics, um, this is one of the reasons why. Martin Thomas writes, Rather than ameliorating French-US relations, the drip feed of American funds and military supplies that underpinned the final three years of the French war effort in, Vietnam, in Indochina, drove another wedge through France's bitterly divided politics between 1951 and 1954. Money rather than lives explained this acrimony. US financial support grated as a tangible proof of French incapacity. In every year from 1946, France had ploughed a yearly average of between 6 and 10% of the annual government expenditure into fighting the Indochina war. Unsustainable in the long term, this cost burden was holding back the rate of domestic reconstruction in, short, uh, in the short term. By 1950, some 150,000 of France's 659,000 members of the armed forces were serving in Indochina. To the embarrassment of Plevin's government, uh, an 85 billion franc supplementary budget issue was required to equip these troops properly. What, people asked, was the point in expending so much blood and treasure, especially as businesses and investors, anticipating uh, the DRV's triumph of arms, began moving specialist staffs, factory, plant and above all funds out of Vietnam from late 1952. The war's dwindling number of party political backers had no convincing answer. So in short, uh, France had thrown vast sums of money and uh, manpower, even though it was insufficient manpower, at the, uh, the problem of Vietnam. America, forced to uh, intervene and offer uh, military and financial aid uh, from the early 1950s uh, onwards, um, presented to uh, French politics and, and French kind of national sentiment uh, uh, an unacceptable challenge, a kind of certain emasculation, um, and from a country that had been uh, defeated and humiliated several times during the Second World War, this was something that was a, a kind of a real political hot potato. Uh, and also the fact that the uh, Americans uh, took the attitude of um, our money, uh, our decisions, and periodically would go over the head of the uh, French colonial authorities in Vietnam, uh, added more to this uh, sense of kind of humiliation um, that France was attempting to restore its glory in Vietnam and at the same time accepting 
its status um, to America as a secondary power. Uh, the questions abounded, therefore, that having spent all this money, having spent vast, vast sums on the war uh, that France could ill afford to spend because of its own needs to reconstruct its uh, infrastructure after the Second World War, um, the the conclusion when the Americans stepped in and offered financial aid and military aid uh, was that the previous uh, monies had been a complete waste, which is, is a kind of a fair conclusion to come to. On a previous podcast on this topic, you, you may recall that at uh, Calbang, uh, the uh, French um, uh, expeditionary forces encountered for the first time uh, the Chinese-backed uh, Viet Minh, who dealt them a series of uh, swift defeats. Um, and that was in uh, 1950. Um the expectation for 1950 and 1951 is that both of those years for the French would be um, years of disaster. However, uh, France is offered a, uh, a brief reprieve, partly because uh, it uh, replaces the military leadership in Vietnam with General Jean de Latre de Tassigny, um, who uh, was uh, quickly able to uh, pick up the pieces of the Kaobang disaster. He was uh, an infantry officer um, from the Vendée region of France, where Georges Clemenceau hailed from, um, and was a kind of uh, significant figure at the end of the Second World War. He was able, uh, following the liberation of France in the summer of 1944, to uh, reassemble uh, the French army very quickly uh, into a significant fighting force. So he was um, quite a, uh, a sort of a, a fix-it kind of character. Um, also uh, a politically astute one who um, purged the French army in 1944 of its Vichy connections. Um, and he did a good job in um, 1951 in Vietnam, Martin Thomas writes. Reli uh, uh, reliving his achievements of 1944 to 45, um made best use of American equipment to roll back the DRV's advance on Hanoi. He followed the example of the British in Malaya and used intelligence and uh, policing really to restore French rule in the Vietnamese countryside um, and he drew on the wartime experience um, his own wartime experience in uh, creating a Vietnamese national army loyal to Bao Dai and, and training it to a particular, uh, particular level. He was a good speaker, frank and uncomplicated, uh, honest and straightforward and spoke well to national army recruits gathered in Saigon uh, saying, stand up like men, he implored them. If you are communists, join the Viet Minh. There are certain individuals among them who fight very well for a very bad cause. But if you're patriots, fight for your country, because this is your war. So there was a moment in 1951, um, three years before the end of the French Indo-Chinese War, where the French government suddenly turned around from its pessimism and gloom 
uh, and thought, well, possibly we could win this with a, a kind of a, a change of approach. Possibly that, that could be done. Um, and so uh, ministers such as Schumann um, looked at Vietnam and began to consider uh, the possibilities of holding on. And this it would be a kind of a, a terrible lure uh, because in 1954 France would be conclusively defeated at Dien Bien Phu. Uh, and that's something we will explore in a later podcast. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Um, and uh, thanks so much if you're any of the uh, new um, listeners who've joined us at the Explaining History Facebook group. Come along and say hello, and we're always uh, up for a conversation about contemporary history matters. Um, also, you can uh, back the podcast on Patreon. We, we get by with uh, a trickle of um, uh, backers on Patreon and a little bit of advertising revenue. So uh, any contributions are gratefully accepted. Anyway, all the best, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Bye-bye. 